episode of the Batch County Podcast. Give yourself a tip of the cap today because while every day is a good day to hang in the county, you've picked a great day to tune in. You may know him from one of his many Top Shot tools like the Paper Ornaments, the Video Player, the Today and Moments Twitter, or maybe you just know him as a Top Shot OG and one of the most prolific collectors on the platform. Mr. Steve Veerman, the intangible ETH, is hanging with us today in the county. So saddle up, it's going to be a good one. Welcome to Badge County. This is your host, Jared Magnuson. It is Monday, December 19th. We are about a third of the way through the NBA season. And we're coming uh, with another episode of the Badge County Podcast. I'm joined by my co-host, as always, Sammy D. What's up? Howdy, howdy. How are we doing today? Doing all right. Another uh, fun week in Top Shot. We uh, had the holiday hoopsmiths thrown on us. And how are you feeling about all that? I'm feeling better than I did when it, when it was first announced. I was picking up a car at an airport rental location in like a carport. So I had no service, but just enough for Discord to let me know that it's all going down. And so I had a really frazzled like 30 minutes where you're just like, I'm just going to just going to deposit all the dapper and do all the things. And then you kind of have like a moment of clarity. You're like, wait, no, I'm not. That's I'm not doing that. I'm going yeah. to relax. Um, I still don't feel I just got back from out of town last night. So I still don't feel entirely caught up, even though I probably am. So, but yeah, I feel good. It was, yeah, it was a ton of information. I was kind of in the same boat, but um, yeah. So today we actually aren't going to talk a ton about what's going on with all the holiday stuff. I mean, we will kind of weave it in and out, but we are joined today by one of the OGs of Top Shot. Uh, the man behind the, uh, the paper moment that I talked about the other day, the man behind intangible.market. Uh, he's known in the community as uh, just one of the best ambassadors for Top Shot. And yeah, we're just happy to have him on the show. He's fresh off his uh, visit to the tour, the Top Shot tour in Toronto. Mr. Steve Veerman, what's going on, man? Uh, not a whole lot. I mean, great to be on the show. Thanks for having me on. All right. Yeah. yeah. We're, we are excited to have you on. Um, you've, you know, been a big part of the Top Shot community really since most of the beginning, I believe. And we just wanted to get you on to talk a little bit about uh, your experience in Top Shot, how you got in to Top Shot, some of the stories from the beginning, but also talk about some of the new uh, things that are going on in Top Shot, kind of where you stand on a lot of things, where things are headed, where things are going. And we can start by your uh, visit to the tour this weekend. Uh, it's the second tour stop. They had Portland about a week and a half ago. And then uh, we had the Toronto tour stop this past weekend. How was that? It was amazing. Uh, I've been looking forward to it uh, basically since the summer. Um, I went to Summer League and they had a, you know, like a the first tour event was, I guess, unofficially in Summer League. That's when they released the first tour pack. Mm -hmm. um, and that was a really great experience. I missed last year's summer league. I had major FOMO. And uh, interestingly enough, I got married this summer. So um, it was like a combination summer league and also my bachelor party. So it was like two <laughs> birds, one stone. Well done. Congrats. Congrats. Yeah, thank you. So looking forward to it ever since then. And then when they announced Toronto, I was just over the moon, obviously. Uh, we have a, a pretty large contingent of collectors in Toronto. So that was great. 
it seems like with the four cities they announced, this is kind of the, you know, East East Coast uh, U.S. kind of presence for the event besides Miami, which you have to be in the South for basically. So pretty excited about that. Um, so, yeah, I'm just kind of dive into it Saturday. Uh, I got to the event, you know, event is it's 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 polished, man. It is so polished. This, this everything from the signage to um, like they had different stations. Like they had a station to uh, I guess they brought in a local company that's well known for kind of um, decorating shoes. If that sounds like kind of funny, but like they would do cool like uh, graphics, like, like NBA graphics, exactly one offs on these shoes. So they brought this company in to kind of help people customize their pairs of shoes right so i thought that was kind of cool and then they had like you know uh awesome food uh, awesome drink um and they had like just yeah different places where you can kind of do photo ops and whatever so i thought it was like really well polished as a like a first impression and then uh yeah the the attendance was was it was great i think we were just shy of 200 people uh, I met a lot of people that I've seen at like past events as like a, a former team captain for the Raptors. Uh, so it was, it was great to see from some familiar faces. It was also great to meet some, some new people. And obviously like the highlight of, of that was the Jose Calderon uh, appearance. So yes. he showed up, he answered a ton of questions, uh, very candid. Uh, the, the part I, I enjoyed the most, I think was the Q and a after the fact, because they basically anyone who had a question just you know unscripted was able to ask and so um yeah it was just funny to hear his responses everything from you know questions about him uh playing with kobe and just everything in between um but it's uh yeah it was it was a great great event and then after that basically a group of collectors maybe about 12 or 14 of us we went to a, a restaurant not far away we watched the Bills game. Uh, we had some drinks. Like that was, it was a good night. Like that was a, that whole Saturday was just, it was filled with epicness. Yeah, and then, uh, yeah. And, and then, so what, a couple of days prior to, I was um, talking with library. He's in Toronto. I'm not in Toronto, but we were talking about events we could do like um, for collectors coming in out of town or whatever. And, and we noticed like the world cup is on. Right. So we mm-hmm. called ahead uh, to a restaurant uh, that was like kind of downtown. It'd be a good location for like a, a, a watch event. And we made a reservation for 12 seats. And uh, uh, you know, as Saturday came, we basically just asked some people like, Hey, you want, you want to come and watch world cup with us? And it's, it's a little bit of an odd question because you know, we're all basketball fans and football fans. And like, we're not really sure how many soccer fans you have like in the mm-hmm. audience, but, but yeah, we basically were able to fill the spots and, I don't know if you guys watched that game, but like, man, that was what a pretty an epic game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately I didn't, I did not see it. I actually recorded it. I want to go back and watch it, but um, if, if you've I'm, never watched, go ahead. I'm not huge. I'm not huge into the world cup, but I, I do think it's, I do think it's like the world cup is the, is the soccer you want to watch. Right. It's in it. Yeah. And, I'm definitely one of those intense. people that watches little to no soccer for three and a half years and then is just like 1000% invested in every single team for about three weeks. That's, that, that's fair. I think most of the world is like that. Right. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, every two years in some cases, because you have like Euro cup and everything else, but um, you know, what I was going to say about this game was um, if you've never seen soccer before, and this was your first game, um, you should probably, you should probably stop watching after that because <laughs> yeah, it'll, that's it. it'll never get better. Uh, so, you know, watch the game if you have it recorded and, uh, you know, kind of, kind of take it in because this was, 
it was one one for the ages. So uh, it was great to do that with you know some other top shotters, um, and then we basically just we went from that event. There's kind of like a local version of like Dave and Buster's nearby. It was like you know an arcade, whatever. So we went there. Uh, had some drinks, played some games, you know, pop a shot, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, interesting uh, fact, uh, Robbie from uh, Nine Lives Lounge, uh, RB Spence, he is like pop shot, like king, uh, pop shot king. He is, <laughs> he like broke the records while we were there. Like, you know, they have existing records. Like oh, he, yeah, was, yes. he was, he was killing it, man. He couldn't miss. So um, yeah, that guy, that guy's got a, a wicked jump shot. Um, yeah, I am not fun at any of like those if you're not going with like a group of basketball people, if it's just like, oh yeah, it's like three couples going, I'm not fun. I'm literally, I'm going to the Papa shot and I'm not leaving the Papa shot until I'm out of money. And <laughs> so if anyone else wants to, you know, I'm just, I'm not involved in the group things. Like I'm going to be sweating in the corner trying to break this record for three hours. <laughs> yeah. I, I got quick story. I was in uh, Disney during the hurricane this past uh, fall and the only thing we could do that the park crawl shut down, they opened up the arcade at the resort. And I just sat there over and over trying to break the record, broke it the first night, went back the next day. Someone broke it. I could not beat him. I was kind of pissed the rest of the trip, but yeah, Papa shots fun. My wife's always like, why are you sweating? This is like a fun thing is we're having dinner. You're like dropping layers. Um, I just can't imagine how much fun it would be though, to see, I think something that's underrated would be walking up to top shot signage in real life. Like you just describing that the signage was, you know, top notch. I started to visualize it for the first time and thinking like I would be so hyped up just to see that in person. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's, um, you kind of take for granted when you walk into, to like a, whatever, like a, a room or whatever. And, and like just the, the immediate first impression you get of like, wow, um, just the ambiance and whatever this, this, it, it makes the event. It just, it's when you add those polishing touches, you feel mm. like you're walking into like just a different place, you know? Yeah. Uh, and you know, I mean, you can kind of, we've, I don't know if you've been to Vegas or whatever, but Vegas loves to do this kind of thing too. Like they have like different themed places, whether you go to like the, you know, the Venetian or, uh, or Caesar's palace or whatever, like they have, they have this, a theme and you feel like, Oh, this is kind of, it's done well. It's polished. And that's how I kind of felt walking in the top shot events. Like I felt like this is a place where um, I could see them repeating a lot of that in the future. So it was really all, I want to give kudos to the team and they're like, they're, you know, whoever designed a lot of the signs and stuff like that was well done. Yeah. I saw like a flight case. I think it was from the Portland event, like a flight case with a big, like four foot displays that had neon lighting inside the case that made it yeah. look like a legendary cube. And it just got me way more hyped than any other <laughs> little like gadget, you know, that you see. So, so did anyone walk away with those gold basketballs that we yeah, saw all they, over Twitter? Yes. yes oh, yeah. no way. Yeah. They, <laughs> they, yeah, yeah. They, so what was cool was like throughout the event, they'd have like, uh, when you, so when you walked in, they give you a raffle ticket and throughout the event, they would just like go on the microphone and be like, we're giving away another raffle, right? Like we're giving away mm -hmm. a Jersey or, you know, again, a basketball, but they would give the stuff away. So that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, so that was again. I was really polished. That was, was a great time. So yeah, did you go, the, did you go to the? Go ahead. Go ahead. I was saying, did you go to the game then yesterday? Didn't the Raptors have a home game? Did it? Yes, I saw sir. A bunch of collectors went. So you you went you went to that? Yeah. So I, I you know I'm fortunate enough to be in the 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 VIP as well. So the VIP had a uh, a little event 
uh, like basically some food and drinks right before the game. Um, so I did that and it was actually a, a, uh, the first time I was able to bring the wife out as well, which is great because she, you know, all she hears about all the time is top shot and everything. So it was great for her to finally join me in an event. So took her, um, to the event before the game, had some food, had some drinks. And then that, it was just a really nice segue into kind of, you know, meeting some collectors and then going into the, in, going into the game. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if you you saw the score or whatever, but it was a bit of a blowout. Um, mm-hmm. Even without Curry, somehow uh, Jordan Poole like just put on the show, and uh, finally, for yeah, fans. yeah. So I mean, the Raptors now have uh, we haven't Raptors been so hot been, as yeah. of late. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's been kind of rough. <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. So, but but my Thunder is the same. My Thunder in the same situation right now. I mean, but. It, I went to a game this past weekend with a bunch of collectors as well. And it's just fun. Like no matter if they win, lose, you know, it's just like the environment's so much more fun with a bunch of collectors in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. Like, so what ended up happening, I, I didn't know what to expect. Right. When, when Dapper said they had some tickets and whatever, um, they ended up getting two like giant boxes, which I don't know how many people were in each, maybe like, I want to say 20 or 30 in each box. So it was quite a, quite a few. And then they also had tickets, um, like non box tickets as well that were given out. Mm-hmm. But that was, that was fantastic. I was actually kind of walking, um, uh, because the boxes were really close to each other. I was kind of making the rounds between each one because I had, I had friends in, in both boxes. So just kind of saying hi, but that was great to hang out, uh, watch the game. Yeah. It was a good night. Yeah. I feel yeah. like I don't, I'm not alone in this where, um, I have a lot of friends that are like, you know, they like basketball. They watch a little bit of NBA, but I think through top shot, I've been able to make so many friends that are like also full blown sickos, like 24 seven, completely obsessed with the NBA in ways that like your buddies from your home to, you know, from your town are maybe not. Yeah. That's me. Yeah. That's me as well. Um, Yeah. So that, that's really cool. The tour sound like a, I mean, a really fun time. I, I love that that seems like something that could be replicated every season. I mean, we talk about the future of fandom a ton in Top Shot, and those are the kind of things that to me seem uh, kind of innovative and new and fun. And then also, you know, there's just going to be unique, creative ways to, uh, you know, reward collectors in different ways. And I I'm excited for what the tour looks like, you know, for years to come, hopefully. Right. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, like being a, a, the, you know, again, former team captain, I I stepped down in October, uh, basically for time commitments, but, uh, Rich, who's the team captain, the Raptors is just doing a, a, you know, stellar job. I can't say, I can't praise him enough for his work. Um, but you know, the whole team captain program is basically trying to build these communities in every city, as you know, right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, and being able to, uh, you know, running these events and, and, and connecting with other people who are also fans, it's, and it is, it's, it's a crazy icebreaker um, to make a friend and you already have like a, um, a common interest that you both basically love. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, I, it's pretty incredible. Um, Cause when I, like previously when I went to the Raptors games, I'm going with like a friend or two, but I'm not going there to make friends. Um, yeah. And it's a little bit different. Like, I think, uh, you know, the football culture in the U.S. I'm in Canada, by the way, if you did, you know, it wasn't obvious. But uh, the football culture in the U.S., I think, has had this right for a long time with, like, tailgating. 
Uh, that's kind of like a way to network before games. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you know, kind of what's happening now with, with Top Shot and these uh, sub-communities. Like, I can't think of, you know, when I think of Top Shot and, like, uh, Future of Fandom, and I, I don't, I've never heard of, let's say, card collecting communities pop up in every city. And, like, their card collectors get together and Panini sponsors, like, mm-hmm. team captains. Like, this doesn't happen, right? I've never, I can't think of another parallel like this where, this type of thing has been experimented with before, but I can see how over time it'll grow um, because it is, it, it's, it makes you want to go back to these things. You know, I, I have FOMO. I want, I want to go back next year. Uh, or yeah, I think you're 10. spot on though, that like within football, it's like tailgating is like, it's just a part of it. It's not like, do you want to tailgate before we go to the football game? It's just, that is a written in part of the football game experience. Whereas with basketball before top shot, I've been to 40, 50, 60 NBA games. I've never even like considered tailgating being an option. Um, and now I'm in Charlotte. I'm not a Hornets fan. I moved here last year or so. Um, but the Hive has put on like every single game that they send tickets. You know, they've got tickets, they have a big event, and they've got tailgating going on. And it really is like, even if you don't, I've known basically no one every single time I've gone. Um, but it just sets this sort of scene that's a lot easier to get to know people because like you said, like, Hey, we're all obsessed with NBA top shot. That's why we're here, you know, in the December, 2022. Um, it is, it's just a great icebreaker and it, I hope that is sort of incorporated into NBA events through top shot going forward. Yeah. And then you imagine like you have other people who are, are unfamiliar with top shot and they see it and they're like, what's that? You know, like, uh, and as a, as that as that event grows, I mean, we're going to have more people just kind of or- organically want to find out about what, what's going on. And mm-hmm. so I think that by itself is is a pretty interesting thing. Yeah, I've hoped to yeah, have well, some more, like get a, as many team captains on the show as possible and sort of like talk to them about that part of the experience, like how successful um, the onboarding sort of thing of like, are you attracting sort of new people or fringe people? Because I'm here in Charlotte, Jared's yeah, t- team captain in Oklahoma City, which are smaller markets. You know, obviously Thunder, I think your fans are like way more rabid Thunder fans, but nevertheless, we're both in small markets. And so it's, you've kind of got to temper your expectations that every event's not going to sign up a hundred people uh, and the ways that like, you know, Knicks, Nets, Celtics, Lakers, Clippers, like those team captains, you know, kind of have the ability to grow like that. Obviously Toronto. I mean, Toronto fans are full-blown sicko fans, you know. That's yeah. so hardcore. Yeah, real quick on that, like I, of course, have been trying to build the um, Thunder community here in OKC. And the one one of the things that's been great for me is like our community, like our core community. I don't know. I'm sure every city, you know, I'm sure the Raptors, you know, the Jurassic Pack was kind of the original um team community but you kind of have those like original core people that kind of are all in on the idea of building a community and that's one of the things that we've really to me established in Oklahoma City is we have I don't know say like 30 collectors give or take that are pretty um pretty involved and want to be involved and are like always chomping at the bit to get together and really have become good friends and people that I (laughs) didn't meet before you know, I say this this summer, I think August or so is when we started kind of meeting more regularly. And um, and I, or at least I, that's when I got involved as the co-captain. But yeah, we've had that was kind of fun. Just we had some events early on that weren't um, 
there was no basketball going on. And that was just a way to connect and talk and get to know each other. And like you said, a shared interest already. And so we become friends pretty quickly, just talking about basketball, talking about the thunder. And yeah, we've seen, we've seen a lot of new um, people. And, and one thing that I think's fun is like the guests that people are bringing are getting excited. And so we always open up the ability to bring a guest because to me, obviously you want to be as, inclusive and open to events if you can you know financially and whatnot and the some of the uh, guests are the people that have become you know pretty into this community and that's what i've um kind of seen as a way yeah it's like one by one guests get involved and and become part of a a fun community centered around the thunder and top shot so speaking of signing up for nba top shot steve when did you sign up was it was it or was it a sign up? Obviously, like I think probably closed beta or before then. Well, uh, yeah. So if the my official join date I think is the twenty seventh of July, uh, twenty twenty. And when did it like? Do we know who the first? Like <laughs> you know, like when was the first wave of people? That's got to be pretty yeah, much I, it. No, no, no. It wasn't. I, uh, unfortunately, I mean, it, I was early, but not that uh, not that early. The first wave of people happened late uh, May. So okay, it, it was basically open two months prior. To, uh, to when I joined. So how did so you, wh- how did you find out about it? Um, yeah, it's a bunch of like happenstance events where like just kind of sheer dumb luck, but it, it, the, it, the origin stories in 2017, um, I was, I'm a graduate of the University of Waterloo. I'm a software engineer and uh, I got a notice about a, an Ethereum hackathon at the University of Waterloo. And it was called ETH, ETH Waterloo, um, which became renamed to ETH Global, but it was the first event of its kind. Uh, and I didn't, I, I didn't know much about Ethereum. I wanted to know more about Ethereum. I wanted to build on Ethereum. So I applied to uh, participate in this hackathon and was accepted. And I went there. And on that weekend, I just happened to meet the team that was launching a product called CryptoKitties. And it was digital trading, like digital collectible cats. I thought it was ridiculous because I'm a dog guy. I didn't want cats. This is so dumb. and they're actually really, they're really cute and stuff. I'm like, this isn't this doesn't speak to me, right? Uh, this seems this seems ridiculous. But uh, oh, when they were giving them away, like basically they were they were like uh, they they stuck on like I think uh, codes and stuff on the po- Pokemon cards, and they're just like handing them out to people, like hey, yeah, like grab a crypto kitty and uh i i didn't um because i'm an idiot and uh uh like a week or two later just reading tech news about like crypto kitties is blowing up and it's it's like it's um they, they say it's breaking ethereum because it's basically making the, the network grind to a halt because of the volume of transactions uh some of these crypto kitties that i passed on were going for you know 10 20 dollars i'm like yeah okay that that was dumb of me for not to even pick one up like it was basically free um but what i decided was that you know what i really like the idea of a collectible I, i've collected all my life i have a, a pretty substantial basketball card collection and i said well i want to um i want to sign, sign up for the mailing list the company mailing list so i signed up for the mailing list and at the time i think it was called like axiom zen um it wasn't even dapper labs at that point but then so that was 2017 and then Almost exactly two years later, so it's 2019, I get an email 
being like, oh, um, we're going to launch an NBA licensed collectible. Um, so stay tuned kind of thing. And then in uh, May of 2020, May of 2020, I get another email being like, yep, we're, we've just started our NBA you know, licensed beta. Uh, so stay tuned. You might get access. And then in yeah July, I finally got the email being like, "Hey, you're invited to join, join you know Top Shot as a test you know, beta tester." So that was kind of like this sequence of events. And I still have all these emails saved. It's it's pretty ridiculous, just like how I got in. And then obviously when I got in, like I, I was just a I was a pretty big buyer because I just liked again I liked all this stuff before. And I think I will say too the. Because it launched two months before me joining, a lot of people who joined before, they they actually on, onboarded a lot of them from the CryptoKitties community. So I wasn't that active in CryptoKitties. Like I had one one CryptoKitty. Um, so a lot of these people weren't really basketball fans. They were just kind of like you know, in the crypto space. So those people basically had like a you know two month head start to accumulate. Um, and then, then I joined, and I think my my around the time I joined is when I started to notice maybe a couple people who were actually basketball fans joined, but it was still pretty hard even then to talk basketball with anyone. So, was wow. what was the market like? What was the site like? Was it just packs? Was it marketplace? Yeah. How much different um, was it than like oh, when the most of us got here? Yeah, the majority in like February. Uh, very, very different experience. So when I joined, there was no marketplace at all. Right. You could only buy packs and the packs were just, they were there. They, they would never sell out. Right. So these are just, you know, rare packs or whatever. The first pack that was available when I joined was um, a with the strip pack, you know, and as we know, if you, it will, some of us know like the with the strip pack is, is steals, right? Yeah. It's like, it wasn't an exciting pack. (laughs) Like the best, you know, one of the best moments you could pull was like an Enos Cantor moment. You know, it's like, this is not something to write home about. And I remember buying like uh they had early adopter packs. And the best moment in that is a Carl Anthony Towns, but which is great. But everything else is, you know, some moments are so-so. Uh, so I bought some early adopter packs and I bought it with this trip pack. I think I paid, you know, $50 in total. And I pretty much had instant buyer's remorse because <laughs> yeah. you couldn't do anything with them. That's what like, I was going to say. Like, how did it feel when like some of these packs are like, because weren't some of them even still pretty early on in the summer of 2020, like up like 200 bucks like cosmic packs uh well no so look the cosmic thing's an interesting story because they that was um the cosmic packs and some of these early adopter packs were some of the first packs that were sold when they launched the pro when they launched the the platform so this was like late may the problem is like the only people who were around there were like uh early adopter crypto guys so the first people the only people who had access to this cosmic stuff were people who like had they they're the furthest Very removed early. from someone who is interested in basketball right yeah. so actually i have i have a lot of mixed feelings on that set because a lot of the holders are still people who i believe have no interest in basketball and they just kind of locked into this and you With know so grails, part of, of grails of grails yeah but like so but this is kind of the narrative that they've said even when i joined they're like oh cosmic is the best and like who like one who are you? You don't even know anything about basketball. Like you can you can convince me all you want that Bismack Biombo is like the man, but he's not. But if, you yeah, know? if a set includes V Mikhailuk, I don't know if it's the if it's the goat set. <laughs> yeah, well, fun 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 part about that. Sorry was, about that. And he well, well, <laughs> yeah, well, he was. Yeah, he is. Uh, uh, but fun fun part about that is so they had a fan panel early, early on, right? It was like a group of selectors that were helping them test the product. This is before I joined, by the way. Um, 
and the fan panel, which are all non-basketball people, they're the ones who helped pick the players in the Cosmic set. So that kind of tells you Got why. That you explains know, a lot. That it kind of, yeah. So that's all, that's a reason why I've never held that set in, like, in the highest regard is because, well, the fan panel was never really like a group of experts. These people were farthest from that. Right. Um, but anyways, not to, not to, uh, not to, uh, you know, harp on that too much. When I joined the platform, there was no market again. So I bought these things. I had instant buyer's remorse. And so I think I, I maybe took a, a week away from the product. Cause I just felt like I felt guilty about spending $50 on something. I'm like, can I do a chargeback? <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like it's just money. I just literally pissed away, you know? Uh, and so I ended up finding, like, I went back to the discord cause the discord, I wasn't really involved in discord and stuff back then. And it, like, to my surprise, there was a small community of people who were like, you know, kind of trading moments and, and, and selling moments. Cause you could gift on top shot. You just couldn't, you couldn't do anything else basically besides, besides gift. Okay, so what I was, was going to wonder. Yeah. yeah. So what people do is they, we had trading channels, like we had trading channels and selling channels in the official top shot discord for the longest time for the first six or seven months we had them and people would just say, Oh, I'm trading this for this, you know, and people would just, you know, gift each other moments. And it was like, not a big deal. Um, and everything was done with, if you wanted to buy something, it was all done with like off the market ETH transactions. Right. So it was a little complicated, it involved a lot of trust. Uh, there were some occasional scams back then, but like they were pretty far few. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was pretty crazy. So that was, so the first two weeks I'd say there was no marketplace and then finally the marketplace launched and, and I was excited. I'm like, Oh, finally I can like maybe sell some of these things or buy some things. And man, it was a ghost town the, the market came and no one was buying, but I didn't know this by the way, because there was no, there are no analytics on on what was being bought and sold uh -huh. so i ended up just like buying things i really liked um and i just i i was just buying a lot and as uh and then i think crypto slam at that time uh, came on the scene uh was one of the first tools and um i started to see some volume of like oh like how much am i buying relative to other people and to my surprise i basically made up one in every 10 transactions <laughs> um for almost the first two or three months of top shot, which is pretty insane. Um, so then I started building my own tools. So I'm a software developer, as I mentioned earlier. So I started building some tools on, because a lot of that was missing on top shot, like just how to kind of manage your collection and, and so on and so forth. It was really hard to figure out what you had. Um, so yeah, I was, I was, I was doing that. And like I bought from the market more than most people because this might sound strange to anyone listening, but I, I've never, really been a big fan of opening packs um packs to me have always been a little bit of a letdown i i'm a i'm a pack collector um but when i open packs i i i like the idea of um kind of imagining what is inside of a pack as opposed mm -hmm. to like finally cracking it open and like oh it's a you know a bunch of moments i don't really want so to me i've always been a uh, a pack collector and then i just bought what I want from the market. If I want a LeBron James, I'm just going to buy it, you know, like, and so that's what I was doing in series one. Like if I wanted a Jokic, I would just buy it for a dollar. Right? Yeah. Like not rip 20 packs yeah. sitting in your account. Yeah. It, it's it, in there. Exactly. And people would, the crazy part at that time, which is happening now, by the way, is people would buy a pack for $9 and they would list, they would basically dump everything for a dollar. 
unless it was a LeBron. LeBron's even then were like $50, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, oh, and that curry might be like 25, right? So it was like, it was, it was still kind of, but everything else is basically a dollar. And these, these floors were so thick that people thought they would never sell these things. So even on the discord, you had like bulk deals. You had bulk deals where people would say, okay, yeah, I'll sell you, uh, you know, two moments for a dollar, right? Because they didn't think they would ever be able to sell their moment. And this is like literally, I'm talking about like Jokic's and whatever, right? Like it's, this was an insane time back then. And uh, yeah, some of my best buys were obviously in that, in that time, I I had some crazy good deals um, that I was able to scoop up because people just, just dumped the stuff. They thought that, well, it is also kind of important to highlight Everyone kind of thought this stuff was worthless. Like this is before NFTs became known like mainstream. And so the concept of, again, digital ownership on the blockchain, like this was a tough, tough sell that it, that it would ever amount to anything. And um, a lot of people in the, in the, in the coming months in S1, just like they, they sold their collections for, uh, for a song, like even, even in December, like we're talking six, six or seven months in people just, they liquidated their, their thing for nothing because they thought that it would never amount to anything or that they'd never get anything from it. I've, I had back and forth with a lot of people um, uh, that it would ever, that, that some of these moments would ever be worth more than a dollar. And like, I, in my mind it was, but I was one of the few people who was just kind of insane, uh, like in, insanely <laughs> bullish, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously paid off, but like you must have gone through like some pretty serious, like, like you said, you bought a pack and you just had this gut feeling like I just set it on fire. Yeah. You know, and so there has to be a moment between July and February when everything explodes, where it's just like, I think this is just me, but I'm having a good time and I'm not burning anything that I can't afford to burn. And But there's got to be some fairly low moment. Like, did you ever think between July and February, like, OK, I'm out like this is. Yeah, yeah. I've waited yeah, long yeah. enough. Well, it, there were there were times where I, I wasn't say I was out because when I when I bought even now, like. Um, when I originally bought, it was always a, I always knew it was a very speculative type of thing. And this thing would only, I didn't think it would amount to anything for like years. I thought it would take years and years to accumulate any following, Mm -hmm. but I was willing to, I was willing to sign up for that. Like in my mind, waiting five years for something to kind of, to like when I was buying Vince Carter's for a dollar or two, I'm like, oh, maybe in five years I can sell them for $10, right? Build my collection. Yeah, um, I was cool with that. So when February came around and this and this boom came, it came obviously a lot sooner than I expected. Uh, Did you like wake up to the article <laughs> of it all going down? Like it's happening. It's actually no, no. happening. <laughs> Not at all. Uh, because I wrote the first valuation account valuation tools, so I was the first one writing all these tools for this. So I wrote. I saw it before anyone saw it. Um. So I, I writing articles my, based off your data. Yeah, they are actually a lot of the, a lot of these articles. You go back; they, they're just taking screenshots from my site. Um, and uh, yeah, some of the first news things were about they, they're just they have screen grabs on my site. So <laughs> it was really interesting to watch it all unfold. Um, you know, and there was one. There were a couple of days in, uh, um, yeah, maybe December, where like suddenly like my account went up like ten thousand dollars in a day. I'm like, this is insane. Like, how does how like my, I put in you know let's say like 60 or $50,000. It's like, all of a sudden it's like 60. I'm like, this is weird. Like what just happened? Right. Yeah. It's all I, my, my valuation tool, just basically using the floor values and whatever. But like every day it would kind of go up by like, you know, a thousand dollars or 2000. And like, this is kind of nuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, That'd be really validating then, though. 
Yeah, yeah, it, it, it is that like other people are kind of interested in this. Um, it was like for me, I think this just ticked off so many boxes, like being an NBA fan, um, being a software developer. Like I just like building tools. I still do. I like building tools because um, for me, I, it it's it's a hobby. Uh, I get a lot of enjoyment out of building. But then if, if I can build something that's also related to the NBA in some capacity, like that's pretty cool. Uh, and then seeing other people get enjoyment out of that as well is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm a graphic designer and I've had the same kind of, obviously I'm not doing things as large scale as like building tools, but even just doing some of the logo work and stuff like that for the team captains. Um, it's like, I would do this every single day. This is the most fun I could possibly have. It's like, I live to do graphic design and the NBA and combining them in any capacity is about as much fun as I could possibly have with my day. Exactly. <laughs> I'm just having a lot of fun listening to all these stories, but <laughs> I, so like I've been buying $1 moments, of course, base S3 moments lately, and I'm having a blast. And of course, I kind of feel like obviously base S3 probably doesn't have the potential that base S1 did for you. Uh, but I, I can see like the idea of like getting the marketplace opening for the first time and just accumulating moments and like you're 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 having fun like was there a strategy behind you buying up stuff on the marketplace or did you just yeah, buy yeah. everything no no well yes i had man the short answer is yes uh i i have at any point in time i've got like 20 strategies on the go because i just don't know which one's gonna work so I just do them all, right? Like I do a little bit of everything across the board, even That's little things strategy. like, like, well, it's basically just, uh, it's, it's kind of the equivalent of like a, like an ETF or something. You just bet on all the stocks. You don't bet on one stock, right? right? You just, as an exchange traded fund, you just do the whole, you just bet on the market. You don't bet on anything specifically, right? So, um, for me, like even, I'll give an example, like, you know, buying a little bit of commons, buying a couple of rares, buying some legends. I don't know what's going to work, right? Um, so what I did actually, an important thing to note is um, with the NBA, like there have been times in my life where it was more important than others. Um, you know, there were a couple of years after Vince Carter left the Raptors. I was a little like, I don't know, jaded um, as, a, as a basketball fan. I stopped watching the Raptors and, totally. you know, knowing he kind of gave up on the team. It was just, it, it rubbed me the wrong way. And then I, I kind of, I fell back in love with it. You know, I probably took a maybe eight year hiatus. But I fell back in love with it, I think, with the Warriors, um, seeing what, what what Steph could do. And then finally, like I went to the uh, Warriors games before they won the championship. I went to like 2014 playoffs. Like it was cool to see how far they were going. Um, but, you know, to finally see them win, um, like it, it kind of re-energized a lot of what I what I felt about the NBA. But when Top Shot came on the scene, like, again, I wasn't super close with the NBA. I was following it, but like not I didn't know every player on every team. So what I ended up doing was I took like the all-star vote list. So every player who got a vote for the previous year, um, I basically just figured out, like I ranked them and then I, I just started buying a lot of like, okay, the top players based on all-star votes. Mm -hmm. um, because at least this way I'm like, yeah, if I'm missing anything, I know obviously some of the big players, but you know, guys like at the time, um, I don't know, names like uh, Michael Porter Jr., you know, he was like, he wasn't an all-star or anything like that, but he got a lot of attention, but he, he was, was also popular. injured. He was popular, but he was like unknown because he didn't, mm -hmm. no one really knew about him. 
Um, Jalen Brown's another good example. Like these guys were, they were really good, but they were like not being appreciated by other people on the Discord and whatever. So I'm like, yeah, you know what? These guys are great. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I do those types of strategies. And that, that kind of really caught me up to speed because I'm like, oh yeah, now I got a full refresher of like what the league looks like uh, who all the you know the great players are, who the role mm-hmm. players are. I got a kind of a holistic view, and then I was buying basically an equal number across the board. Like I had up until recently, I had seven complete uh, series one base sets um, because you know you you, could, you couldn't really do much back then. Like you would complete a base, you could complete a set, and like then what? So you, you know what? You do it exactly. So I finished one base set. I'm like, you know what, that Forrest Gump thing where it's like, I ran this far, I might as well keep going. You know, I keep running. It's like literally that was how I felt collecting in in series one. I was like, well, I collected one base set, might as well go for another. And then I got collected another one and went for another. And that's why I ended up stacking like a bunch of sets. And I'm, I'm, I was very exceptional that way. There aren't that many people who did what I did, even like Alexo. Alexo is, you know, one of the biggest collectors on the platform, but Alexo, generally speaking, only collected one of everything. So he doesn't have like stacks of sets and things like that um, for the most part. Um, so, so you definitely yeah, we, obviously did some buying at the bottom with the $1, you know, oh, yeah, and yeah. the discords. How much selling at the top did you do? There's obviously got to be a lot of sell pressure for you in February and March, watching these things you bought for $1 become, you know, literally tens, maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah, so that was you know really really exciting. Um, I was selling at the top, but immediately buying at the top. So you know that didn't really that, that didn't really age well. Because um, I've seen you know I've obviously poured through a lot of the oldest accounts, their live tokens and stuff like that, and just sort of see like do because another great thing about the blockchain is you can sort of watch these strategies, you know. Um, and see what people were doing back in February and March. So it's like, there are obviously a lot of people that, you know, maybe joined right before that, but then did most of their buying at the top. But then I've also seen some people that, you know, were buying at the bottom before and then selling at the, and just really doing a lot of selling at the top and then kind of reintroducing themselves back into the the buyer's market in April, May, June, when it kind of settled down. Yeah, I mean, those people were, you know, I mean, smart, but they, a lot of this is just luck, you know, I mean, like, um, yeah, exactly. you know, sur- survivor bias and whatever of like, oh, that was a great decision. But like, literally, it was just like, for me, when I was selling and then immediately buying, I, I felt as if I was transitioning into better moments. Like, for example, I'd sell a, a random common, and I'd buy a legendary with it. I'm like, yeah, I'm transitioning from a common to a legendary. <laughs> like, in my mind, this is a good trade. Yeah. Um. And so I would be transitioning to, you know, things like that or, or for commons to rares or whatever. So, you know, even though like on paper, some of these buys are just horrific, uh, it's. They probably came from a great sell. Yeah. And so I felt like I was, I was, you, you know, leveraging, you know, the, the insights and the data to make good decisions at the time. But I, what I didn't understand at the time, which maybe could have been, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, but the biggest problem at the time were, were basically supply constraints. There weren't enough moments to go around. And there was just so much FOMO from the outside of like, oh, you know, everyone's hearing about Topshop for the first time and like NFTs for the first time. Everyone wanted to have like one. And people were just buying like, again, let's say like a Bismack Biombo moment, like a common moment for a lot of money because they just wanted to own a single Topshop NFT. Mm -hmm. And I mean, those supply constraints were temporary. Um, I mean, the market was down often too. Like that was a nightmare. They couldn't, Dapper had 
basically two or three months there where they couldn't keep the market open. Uh, very, very frustrating. Um, and so, yeah, these, these supply constraints were artificial. And obviously, over time, uh, they minted a ton more. And, you know, we, we know how that story ended. I think that is a, so, like something to point out, though, that I think gets overlooked a lot was that between February and probably like September, August, September, like the beginning of S3, like you said, the marketplace would be dead. Well, the par- marketplace was never open during a queue. The queues would go down. They'd restart. There would be randomizer issues. There'd be all kinds of things that went wrong that have not gone wrong a single time in like a year. Yep, exactly. Well said. Uh, I think that's just underappreciated, but yeah. So I have a real quick question. So you, you, you've been buying really all along from what I can see, right? So I've kind of tracked and followed. You've posted it on Twitter. You, uh, you, you go up a thousand moments with these offers. It felt like over a short period of time. Um, and you, I know you just completed the S3 hollow set, um, which is really cool. And you locked it up and everything. And so why are you still buying? Like, I mean, you have a ton of moments, you have multiples of things. And I mean, I, I continue to buy as well. So, I mean, I'm just curious, why do you continue to believe in the product? Why do you continue to buy? Um, and when some people are maybe not thinking that way, uh, or maybe selling off or whatever, like what, what draws you to this long term? What draws you to top shot? as something that people will continue to um, enjoy, invest in, buy into, um, build collections, all those things? Yeah, that's the million dollar question. I, I think for me, I have a few different answers. Um, first and foremost, I've come to just realize I'm a collector at heart. I like collecting things. Mm-hmm. Uh, before I before COVID, I, I moved. And with the move, I had to move like boxes of basketball cards and other collectibles. And I, I said it at that time, like, I don't want to do this again um, because these cards I had for 25 years, I don't really look at. They're in boxes and they're trapped and they're just kind of taking up storage and they're just like, why do I have them? And then like, if you want to sell one on eBay, like, good luck. You know, it's kind of, a, it's a bit of a nightmare because you have to, you know, maybe take it, maybe send it into PSA or Beckett to get it graded. And then you have to. Um, you know, take wait six months, pay a hundred dollars or whatever it is, get it back, um, take pictures, write a description, throw it online, hope that it sells. When it sells, you finally, uh, you know, if the if the package it up, take it to the post office, ship it off, wait for the buyer to get it, and then confirm with let's say PayPal that it was received undamaged, and then finally your your funds are released. Like this whole thing of 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 owning collectibles in my life has just been like. I've come to recognize that I think I've seen it first, but I think other people will come to, re- to realize this too. But I think a lot, this is a controversial take possibly, but a lot of value in like, let's say cardboard, it's, it's artificial too, because there's just so much friction around selling mm-hmm. that um, the, the reason why people, I think they've all kind of convinced themselves that these things are worth things or worth money. But the reality is if everyone decided, if, if selling was as easy as it is on Top Shot, we would see like, unimaginable amount of cardboard hit the market at any given time yeah, if it was exactly. that easy. And then yeah. everything would just they would basically repeat what Top Shot did and everything would just go to zero and the whole market would die. Right. But we haven't seen that. And because it's it's guarded by this like false idea that you know what, I'm gonna defer the work for later. Like you know that taking pictures and sending the PSA and back and all that? 
I'll do it later. I'll do it. I'll do it in the summer. I got time. I'll do it so next winter. Steps. You know, it's like, I think people have just convinced themselves that that's going to happen. This is why, like, for me, um, cardboard, I'm just not interested. But going back to why I'm collecting, I have over 32,000 moments now. And they don't take up any room. Like, these are licensed collectibles that I can instantly, like, you know, sell, uh, trade with, like, burn, whatever. And I can hoard as much as I want. And, like, they're not taking up any room. You know, I don't hear – my wife's not telling me, like, you know, get rid of these boxes. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> it's it's pretty ideal, man. It's pretty ideal. I, That's the best I, favorite I, reason I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's it's pretty awesome when you look at it that way. So I, I just think that I've experienced that, like having to move boxes and whatever mm-hmm. uh, and, and just come to that realization before. And, again, it's a bit of a controversial thing. And, and cardboard could last for a really, really long time. But I think – a lot of people have just convinced themselves that like cardboard is cardboard. It's worth something because it's on, it's, it's, it's physical. It's like that. Yeah, the value is not good. physical, man. Actually, that's, that's like a negative. Like it really is. Um, Cause it's just hard to move. Um, yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you there. Like that's, I was a cardboard collector growing up mostly as a kid, you know, so funds were a little more limited when you're a kid, but I loved it. It was a, huge part of my childhood riding my bike down to the store getting a pack of cards but to me like top shot reinvigorated that love for collecting and like you said it's it's nothing you got to store but i'm also drawn to and i'm curious your take on like the fact that these are moments like there's something that you can experience there's something that you can you have an emotional attachment you know because like cardboard you have an emotional attachment because you can touch it but you don't know what play it was from. You don't know what where you were as a fan. Like for me, I have an emotional attachment to a lot of these moments because I watched them happen. Like a Trayman yes. MGLE, which really might not have a lot of value to everybody else. But to me, it has a ton of value. And you can't get that from cardboard, in my opinion. And so I, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm buying like crazy. I am. I mean, for me, I'm, I'm about to hit like tomorrow is going to be a huge day for me, my thousandth moment. And I have, I'm going to hit my thousandth moment with the SGA uh, fandom moment. So I thought that was fitting. Just to Um, time out to tell you how much I appreciate the way that you have so perfectly lined this up to make a Shea fandom your (laughs) 1,000th moment. So I was at about 950 and I've been buying. So wait, wait, can I give you something right now? I'm going to no, actually <laughs> give you a Bruce Brown. <laughs> no, actually I did uh, hit a thousand already, but I, I am going to uh, make some moves to kind of make the Shea my official thousandth locked moment. Cause I have, a, I have 999 okay. locked and uh, every moment's locked. And that's, and that's again, a strategy that I think is controversial. And a lot of people thinks like silly, um, but for me, I love the idea of my whole set being constantly locked constantly. Um, and then once this locking period ends, it doesn't mean everything unlocks. It just means I have the ability to unlock. So my account will continually be, um, locked, but have the ability to become liquid whenever I want. And I wanted to be first in that because I'm, I'm here for the long term. just like, I think, you know, mo- uh, both of us on the on the podcast here are like here for the long term. We don't see this as like a short term thing necessarily. Um, and so I didn't want to be tempted to sell. I wasn't really interested in playing the pump and dump type situation. And yeah, I 
it's it's really fascinating to see you continue to buy um but i think we're kind of bullish for a lot of the same reasons um, it's, it's nice to hear honestly like when you're saying again earlier about like buying one dollar moments on uh through paypal in the early days of the discord it's like you spend what you can you buy what you like that's the strategy that's at least yeah. a strategy for me well yeah I, well another point there is um I think at one point I may it might still be true, but I at one point I had the most S one bases uh, of anyone, um, and why that is is because I'm historically I'm just a frugal guy and like that was my budget. I wasn't buying legendaries and rares. Like I, for me, the one dollar two dollar moments like that's where it was at. I was like that was that was my happy place. You know, it's like I got enjoyment out of owning it, and like for me, like when I was when I was stacking moments too, it was all about oh I'm stacking these because. In the future, I can use them as like trade material, right? So I can trade with other collectors for other mm-hmm. sets I don't have. Because yeah. maybe, maybe I'm missing something in Series 4 or Series 6 and I can trade for it. Like that's what's happening in my mind. I didn't think it would ever be like this insane like um, difference in value. I, that didn't really occur to me. Um, so yeah, it kind of worked out. And just to speak just briefly again about you mentioned like the emotion of moments. And like, yeah, mo- moments elicit emotion from us. And that's the difference between like you know static images and whatever we can we can picture ourselves in the stands where we were we watched that moment mm-hmm. like i'm in um the scotty barnes um rookie debut i'm in the delano banton rookie debut i'm in a precious achua moment that happened these these three moments happen in the same game and like i coordinated so i would sit in a, a camera angle that would be captured and i'm <laughs> in these moments so i'm like forever um on on like on the blockchain in these moments and like to me like that is so cool uh mm-hmm. and like I, I hope to be in more moments one day right but to me like the, when i watch those moments like i get I'm emotional like i saw that i was there you know and it's just like that's just so cool right and so you can't you don't get that same emotion um you know with trading cards and whatever so yeah yeah what well, so matter. You uh, you were in those moments, and maybe you don't have an answer for this, but maybe you do. Like, do you have one moment that is your like favorite moment, your grail, or your whatever term you want to use? Like the one that you just will like treasure forever, I guess, or cherish, or you know that sort of thing. Yeah, I, I have a lot of them. It's it's kind of hard to pick <laughs> like uh, you know favorite child or whatever, but. Uh... There, there are quite a few, like some that I'll mention that I've already just mentioned. Um, you know, Scotty Barnes, Donald Banton, Precious Achua. All those moments are they hold a special place in my heart because I'm I'm in them. That's those are like that's a, that's a Steve mm-hmm. Top Shot debut, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and yeah, like that's that's pretty cool. And then there are other ones that just they stick out in my mind because they were just difficult to get. Um, like most recently, I, I made a purchase in November for a, like a Series One. Mm, LeBron jersey match legendary and like this kind of stuff I never thought I'd ever be able to get when I joined this platform because it was it it wasn't in my hands it was in the hands of people that I I just thought I would never get it right um so moments like that it's like yeah this is really cool but that's like less about the moment like the the highlight and that's more Mm -hmm. just about like the feeling of owning something that is like special from like um yeah kind of did exactly like grinding away on something because like all my moves you know and this trading or whatever yeah they link up to finally like land me something that it's like this is this is crazy i never thought i'd be able to do this right um Mm -hmm. 
and I then just like got other, my first yeah, platter pass the other day for the same. And I remember when it came out, I was like, this is probably, you know, I'm, I'm a Celtics fan. So I don't think I'm going to like stretch, stretch it super hard for a magic moment. Um, but I, I got to have the platter pass and I've thought about it so many times, but it's just like, it's just a, it's always been just a little bit more than I was comfortable spending. And then it dipped down to like 200. And I was like, man, I just, you know, you're obviously all, you're always trying to time the bottom with all these moments that you really want. Um, and I got to 200 and I waited too long. It was gone. And then somebody listed serial number 75 for like 225, pull the trigger. And it really was one of those, like, I can't believe I actually got it. I actually yeah. did it. Yeah, that's what's fun. I mean, I think it's fun to collect and to build towards something, right? And as I have a similar story, I think I commented on your post on Twitter when you got the jersey match, but I did the same thing with my LeBron TSD. It was like a, a culmination of my collecting for a year on Top Shot. I did it about a year after I joined, and it was it was just like a culmination of everything I had done to that point. And I, I mean, I plan on holding that moment for a long time. Now I do have the one moment that I don't have is the, uh, the KD run it back, which of course is every thunder fans, uh, you know, grail. It's a literal grail. Yeah. And it's, and it's, it's something that I'm, I'm going to do like whatever it takes to get it at some point. And uh, it's when that happens, it's going to be that moment for me, you know, it will be the moment of my collection. And so that's, that's fun to. to so hear. going forward, Steve, like, you know, obviously you've got the trade fodder for whatever you want coming, yeah. you know? Um, so in a world where like, you've got no dapper, you've got no trade fodder and it's series four, like seeing what we've seen so far with the sets, the mint counts, the, you know, the pack construction and, all that stuff. Like, what do you think you'd be doing right now if you joined today? Um, I think I'd be doing very similar things as what I'm doing right now, which is like, I'm making offers like crazy um, uh, for things that I think are, um, that have been unfairly uh, beaten down. I'll say, Um, because everything's kind of hurt, but some things have been hurt more than others. And Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, you know, a lot of the buys I'm making right now are like, basically $2 moments, $3 moments, um, you know, a couple cheap rares, I think are, are you know, incredibly affordable. Um, the offer system, I can't stress uh, how incredible that system is. I, I, it's very, very rare. I buy anything from the market, like directly. Um, it's almost entirely offers at this point because I've come to understand that there is a um, contingent of people on the platform who, are just they love to burn money they love to lose money and they will accept just nonsense offers i'll give you an example um so right now these the, we have these holiday packs you mentioned like in the, in the intro basically um you have two different holiday packs you have ten dollar packs you have 25 dollar packs in a 25 dollar pack you have a six percent shot six six point seven five percent shot at landing of rare out of a 25 dollar pack so on paper, uh, you have to spend something like $380 on average, just on, as an average, to pull, to pull a rare. Um, so the $25 pack, I'm buying rares from this pack for $19 and $20 from the market with offers. It's like 
Okay, cool. So like, imagine you bought a $25 pack and you hit the 6% lottery, six and whatever. You want, and you dump it for $20. Like, <laughs> I don't know what people are doing. Yeah, it's I think the same thing. I, like uh, that's where I'm at with packs. Like I love packs. I max packs the first one, um, you know, and I think I did okay. I didn't do great, you know. I've never had particularly great pack luck, but I don't care. I love, I, but I love ripping packs and I do miss the thrill of a queue, um, which we can kind of get into in a minute, but like, I've been kind of at the same thing. I bought a bunch of holiday packs because, uh, like I was saying at the beginning, I, I just sort of was like, I was in a rush and I was in a car and I was driving. It's like, I can't miss, I can't miss. Uh, but I have a very, my strategy this year is I want the base set. I want the rookie debut set. Um, I want all the Celtics non-legendaries. And if I, if I do hit some magic in a pack, um, I'm going to be going after the dynamic duos. I just want the team debuts. I think it's super cool. Um, I've got a very strict sort of strategy this year. And it doesn't really, the way that, like you said, the way these packs are going and the way that they're hitting the marketplace, it doesn't make sense for my strategy to buy packs. Yep. And it, it, it hurts my feelings. <laughs> I wish that it fit perfectly no, man, into my strategy. Let, let, dude, like let people dump. That's fine. Because there aren't enough people like myself who are buying. Like they're, the, the problem with the market, why things go down is just not enough are enough smart people to take advantage of the people who are just dummies and dumping, you know, because like, and the, the problem here too, is we build so much of our emotion around the people who just like undercut all the, like this through price, just like at a, at a level, it doesn't make any sense. They take, take the, the sentiment, you know, the people who are, you know, don't really, they, they clearly aren't huge believers in the product. Um, I, like you said, I don't know what could, possibly bring somebody to buy a pack for $25 actually get the hit they're looking for and then still find a way to make that winner pack a loser pack yeah so like I, I can't help them with that dapper can't help them with that you know like and these are the same people too that I'm sure that are screaming like hey why why is my account down or whatever it's like you can't you can't help with that. But the, the problem is we don't, again, we don't have enough people on the other end to identify, you know what, like that's actually a pretty good deal. Like, and, and I'd say as a collector, which, you know, I'm, I'm a collector. It's like, there's no point. I think there's no point in myself buying packs when I know that people are just going to sell the contents for far less. So I've been able to complete all my, my rare sets just with offers and it's been great. And it's just actually the, the biggest thrill for me, isn't the pack opening because I I, told, I mentioned before that pack openings are largely a disappointment for me. Imagine paying twenty five dollars and you get like you don't pull a rare or anything, right? Um, but for me, the biggest thrill now is when someone accepts my offer and it's just like they give me like a crazy low cereal. This happens often too. Is mm -hmm. is like it's this is this is a really interesting one where I find with offers you get better cereals than you wouldn't otherwise normally You're not get. Kidding. Like the amount of times I'd hit an offer and I'm like, oh my god, I got it at all. I'm so pumped. And then you go over to see which one did I get, which honestly I usually forget to do because I'm not particularly a cereal guy. Um, because like you know, like you're saying, they're not really usually available near the floor, uh, and I'm not really spending up because I don't care a lot, a lot about cereals. But I'll go be like, oh, sometimes a couple days later, and I'll be like, wait, that was the Damian Lillard offer that I got. I got like a serial number, like 101 out of 1500 or whatever, yeah. you know, it's yeah. like, what are we doing? Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. And I, I have like, my theory is that um, some of these people might price it too high where it just doesn't, no one's willing to pay the extra for the serial premium 
they get frustrated and accept the low offer, right? Like I'm all for it. Um, but it is, it is a fascinating one. So, you know, if you're going to build a collection, I think, um, use, use offers. It's like, it's really hard. You just gotta be a little patient. Um, which is why the numbers, like, sorry, uh, offers is a numbers game. Just like send it a lot of offers because you, you'll get a consistent trickle, uh, of offers coming in, but they won't, you won't get the same satisfaction of like immediately owning it, but it is kind of like a surprise when you get an email being like, yeah, I was accepted. So I think that that's a pretty cool uh, thing. Yeah. yeah it's, wanna... be, it's become kind of like a daily morning routine. It's like, <laughs> yeah, that's, you've that's got 27, you know, new notifications while you slept. It's like, okay, I don't care. don't care. don't care. Where's the name. I need an email from Dapper. That's what I need. <laughs> yeah. That's what I've been doing. Like putting in offers. Cause I'm, as I've talked about on the pod, uh, Thunder Hour is not very patient. Um, but I do love <laughs> uh, <laughs> I do love putting the offers in right before I go to bed because then you're not like forced or you're not trying to look for that next deal. You just put it in, go to bed, and half the time it's it's accepted by the time you wake up. If it feels like for me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah I'm with you on the offer thing, and I'm with you. Well, like I think we're all kind of in the same on the same page when it comes to packs i it's weird because like i i know that's like a hot button topic is like ev of packs and this and that and i i don't we don't get into that super you know heavily i don't really care (laughs) yeah like it's not been something we really we just love the product and that sort of thing it's not really a huge concern there's stuff in there that i want that i'll buy it if there's not stuff in there that i want or you know so I don't know. You you've been through the ups and downs. Is there things that you think going on right now or going on in the future? Like, where do you see things at? Like, are you happy with the product? Are you happy with like where we're at? I mean, I know we all want more users. I think that would be, um, you know, and, and more friends that are on this, you know, fun, you know, platform and this, you know, but where do you see things? Yeah. Another good question. Um, like I, I have mixed feelings on onboarding a lot of new people um, because I don't think we have exactly what we want yet from mm-hmm. the platform. And, and my fear is um, you don't want to onboard anyone to like a disappointing experience. Uh, Cause then it's, it, it, I don't know. It's I don't think that's great either. Uh, I mean, the problem we're in right now is we basically have the same number of users. It's a, you know, it's a small amount. And so we're basically just trading value amongst each other. Um, but yeah, you basically need new users for anything to kind of move meaningfully. Um, what I'd like to see, like, there's a lot of, lots of things I like about the product. Again, they've this product today as it exists has never been better, right? Like every, every part of this product is just, has never been better compared to where it was six months ago, compared to where it was a year ago, compared mm-hmm. to what it was two years ago. Like everything, a lot, so many things we've asked for. I remember when hot packs, the idea of having, you know, like not like kind of lotto packs or whatever you want to call them, like things that you didn't know you would get like that. This was a foreign concept. We never knew if we'd get them, you know, we have them and now we're like, they're sitting there again. Like no one cares. Right. It's like, it's funny how quickly it goes from um, wanting it, thinking it'll never happen to it kind of maybe happening to it happening to people just kind of forgetting that it's, that it was ever a problem. Um, But what I'd like to see, is I'd like to see more, um, more built around like collecting and enjoying the moments. Um, I've mentioned this a few times to other people, but this is fundamentally like a video highlight. I like to see maybe a a, a better video player experience mm-hmm. where we can 
you know, play these on like a, um, a more of like a user created playlist. Um, you know, maybe even do fun things like, uh, uh, I don't know. I, I, this probably sounds maybe too nerdy, but I think it'd be pretty cool to have some kind of, um, a mixtape maker on the site where you basically, you take some of your moments and you're able to cut maybe some of the angles from the moment and kind of mix it together. Um, and then maybe make that a shareable thing on your social media. Like I own this part and this clip. It'd be a fun way to somehow make your own thing. And you're more engaged with the video highlight and whatever. So I actually um, did that recently. Like now okay. when you mentioned, like, cause now once, you know, you've got, you can do your dapper PFP, um, and I know, yeah, you know, you've got your like a legendary Lakers cube rotating. Uh, and I figured out I'm like a, I also do a lot of video editing. Um, and so when I figured out how to make a float and turn moments into gifts and then get them on, you know, people's PFPs, but obviously, but I think when the moments a full 26 or for some of those duos are, you know, closer to a minute, it, you can't make the whole thing into a gif. It's just too big and it freezes. So I had to go in and do what you said. Like, I've got to cut some angles. I've got to really try to like get to the heart of the moment and figure out like what makes this moment special, what angles are a little too long or whatever. And it was so much fun to like, I put it on Twitter and I think I did maybe like 20 or 30 of them. Um, but yeah, just like interacting with these moments in any way possible just draws you in. Um, and I think of all, there's been so many third-party tools and some of, some of them are so, you know, beautifully crafted and maybe the best one is your video player, you know, and it's essentially, it's a, it's a, it's a Google sheet with a video <laughs> playing at the top. And it's yeah. like, it d doesn't take all the bells and whistles, but it's like, you'll find yourself just watching it for 30 minutes. And I turn it on and it's my boy, Herb Jones. I've had it exactly. I mean, that, that was the idea. I just wanted some, some easy way to, it. you know, play like my Spotify playlist on my desktop and have, uh, have some videos running, you know, on, on a playlist. I'm like, this is pretty cool. Right. Um, so things like that, uh, what else here? Um, yeah. In terms of like improvements, one thing that I'd like to see more of too, is we, we discussed this a bit earlier, but you know, in many cases, we've been to these games with the moments, like the like from the moment, um, mm -hmm. and it would be great. I know, like they'd have to figure out exactly how to do this, but for users to basically help add context to this moment, you know, even upload photos of 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 you know them being at the game, them being maybe discussing um, some parts of the of the play itself that aren't in the description. You know, like notice this angle, notice what was happening here, you know, um, little things that I think would help with engagement, you know, even little silly things. I've noticed this in some, in some plays, it's like, oh, you know, that guy's wearing like some Jordans, some old school Jordans. <laughs> like I've noticed this in some plays, right? It's like little things like that, that stand out to me, uh, where it's like, yeah, there's no, there's no chat for this. There's no, there's no way to add context. Like the community is so willing, I think to basically crowdsource context. Imagine like Wikipedia living on top of Topshot. Where Wikipedia, it takes community edits. Like anyone can edit on Wikipedia, right? I mean, sure, there are moderators and things like that. That's fine. But I think on some level, it would be great to have community submissions to add context to moments because Even again, you were there. Even if it's just like a ranking. I yeah. remember, uh, um, Nikki B on Twitter uh, suggested a couple of weeks ago, like maybe you can only 
give it a you know out of 10 stars or whatever you can only rank it if you own it or something like that um you know but yeah just to kind of because there's so much curation i like what they've been doing with the playlist um from themselves i think that we're probably going to be able to have the ability to create our own playlist at some point um but just seeing like you know we put out a blog um a couple weeks ago about common grails and the community really embraced it and i think it shows that it's like we want anything curated you know it's like if it's game winners if it's milestone moments if it's you know career highs whatever it is um we like things tidied up with a little bow on them uh we want context that's the biggest thing here is there's always about as much context to the moment as possible um and yeah i want to watch the video i want to watch them i want to be able to say like i don't own any throwdowns because i just I wasn't, I was on vacation when I'm just hypothetically, you know, I'm on vacation during the series three throwdowns drop. And so I, I missed, you know, the blog, I missed the, the mint reveal. I just missed the whole thing. I didn't buy any packs. And then if you do that, then it's like, I would like a place to say, I want to watch the entire throwdown set. And, you know, the, the GP uh, you know, the Gary Payton throwdown be like, I would never think in a million years, that's one of my favorite ones from the set, but watching your tool, I was, I was watching the throwdown set. And it's like that Gary Payton jam, I gotta have it, you know? And I have, there's no other context needed. It's just like the video, the moment is awesome. Uh, and I think that if that was more accessible to a lot of people, then a lot of people's wish lists would be growing. Yeah. I think ultimately a lot of that stuff, you know, we talk about value, you know, and there's, there's a, there's a million and one ways to value top shot moments. Right. But one of the ways that I think we all can agree on is like things like that would add value to the moments. Right. It, and it doesn't, and it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't necessarily the supply or, you know, what top shot does as far as that side of things doesn't matter as much if we had the ability to value them more through like tools like that curation like you said playlists that sort of thing that just adds a ton of value to the moments and we 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 tend to see value in like challenges which to me isn't where the value should come from the value should come from the actual moment but yeah i, I agree um so yeah i'd, I'd like to see I'd like to see more of that um, yeah, the, 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 your the blog that you guys put out was, was incredible. I mean, that was, I think as a, maybe one of the motivating factors for me being on today, I think we connected out after that, but mm-hmm. like you just did a really good job. And I, I resonated with so many of those choices. Um, cause it's not just about like, here's a good question too. I, I, you know, I've thought about this recently, but like, would you feel differently about a moment if it didn't have a badge on it? Right. And, and, and to mm-hmm. me, it's like you, you, you shouldn't feel different. Like if the, mo- if you're buying because it has a badge, then you're, you know, you've, you've basically just been, you know, you're, you've been handheld to buy this thing because it has a thing, but it's, you should, you should appreciate the moment for what it is, you know, first and foremost. And mm-hmm. if, if, if you feel differently because there's a badge or no badge, like, I think you should, uh, you know, maybe reevaluate how you're kind of approaching things. Yeah, yeah, I think so- the badge to me gives the context, though. I think that's one thing where it's like, I like the moment as it stands, and the badge just adds the value. It doesn't create any value. 
you know, from scratch but as it, much it as it has destroyed. created lots of value though. So well, that's no, like, I, I guess I don't yeah. mean create it from zero. It's not like I have no interest in this, but it has a badge. So now I'm going to buy it. But it like, needs- here's a, you know, like one thing that's come up this weekend, I've just, you know, I've, I've seen a bunch of times, but like you can buy a LeBron top shake debut for, you know, $1,800 or whatever it is now, but you can buy a full series one rare final set, which also has a LeBron in it, by the way, for less than that, like much less. Mm-hmm. So it's like, uh, and, and in series Pop one, that was never debuts- the case. Funny enough, are like maybe my, well, I wouldn't say they're my least favorite badge, but like they're not my favorite, you know, in in and of itself. Like the especially the S one debuts because, like you said, it's like it literally is just like there were never badges weren't you know they um, they were sort of an afterthought almost for Top Shot itself, where it was like it was almost probably you know what was it like a year and a half into the product when they happened. Maybe probably like closer it's to about, a year. About, it was a little less than a year. Like I was a I was a big proponent at the time because I thought it added context for you know which moments were around first. I just never thought it would create such a disparity between between moments. Like in series one, the, the LeBron um, tribute dunk was was the was the dunk was the LeBron to have. It was basically neck and neck with the, the debut, but the debut had it had less supply, so the, it was it was. Um, it was the clear winner, and then like you know, most rares were were way more than either one of them. So for me, it's really interesting to see like an entire rare set that also has a LeBron in it be worth less than a, the you know the common. It just the rookie it, badges for me yeah. are the ones that like those matter Agreed. because like we were saying about cardboard, where it's like you don't know, you know, yeah, he looks really cool the way he's holding this ball, but you don't know that the next dribble wasn't off of his foot um, or from a random game, but. The context of being this is the first NBA game, um, you know, and on top of all of that, it's their first top shot moment. Um, but yeah, as far as the, in the four badges, the top shot debut is not the most important. Um, but that's what's yeah, been that, so fast. Those prices have been. That's, that could, might be a set you, that I double could, down could you, on. Could you could you imagine, though, like. Panini doesn't have Panini debut, you know, like yeah. it's just such an artificial, funny thing. Like that doesn't in the cardboard world, that doesn't matter. Like when the manufacturer makes the first car, it's like, it's the, it's when the, it's when the rookie it's when the player made their first appearance, you know? Yeah. And so I think, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, of course we're badge County. So like that was part of our, it's more of a, um, I don't know, like it, it, the badges matter of course, but it's more of like, it was just a fun, uh, way to call our community right but especially coming I'm, out of like a rookie like coming out of the rising stars as a rookie collector mm-hmm. and sort of like as collectors like that's sort of the you know especially coming out of the cardboard world it's like what cards matter rookies yeah it's interesting because like i i <laughs> i have the lebron tsd i think it's i think it's valuable i think it has value of course being the first lebron Um, but I'm kind of like with you where the fact that like my Zion and and Morant TSDs, the fact that they're rookies almost like for me personally hold more value in that fact. Um, I don't know. Like obviously the market doesn't tell you that. You can probably pick up four Zions for the same price. Yeah. And so like, I, I do think the one thing about you said there is no Panini debut, but well, there was cardboard debuts right so like the honus wagner is one of the you know cardboard cards that has huge value i don't i don't know yeah but that's a different situation that was because like it was um from a cigarette manufacturer and honus didn't want to 
uh, he 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 didn't want to be associated with that, right? Okay. So they they had to yank that from the from you know from printing. But yeah, yeah for okay. me, my I, favorite I, I, John I Moran from series one is the steel. I have that but, one, and if it was moment to moment, if it's that or the debut, um, the dunk, I'm probably taking the steel because I love the shimmy. Yeah, I think. I don't know. I just think there's like a lot of awesome, layers to this discussion, right? It's and it's not as cut and dry this, as like yeah, you said. This is what I think what makes it great is it like you you get to the point where you're a collector, you're just like as a collector, this is my strategy, and you might meet somebody that loves Top Shot just as much as you with the absolute opposite strategy. Yeah, it's worth noting, like my, you know, the LeBrons I have, like I have many Top Shot debut LeBrons, like they're all, I love, I love them. Like they're like my LeBron Hollow Series 1, that's absolutely one of my grails. Like I earned that from the challenge. That was like one of the most ridiculous challenges I've ever had to participate in. Um, like these things are, these things are important. And I'm a, I'm a, I'm a proponent of badges. Like badges are, I think are very important. It is the, the question is interesting when you think about like, um, mm-hmm. you know, do you feel differently because of the badge? That you was the thing. You should go badge right? hunting. Yeah. Just being like, I want to sort the marketplace by most badges. And to your point, like I, I'm, I'm a big believer in the idea of like these championship badges having long-term value as far as significance on the platform. If we're talking about moments and when you think about cardboard, I don't, I don't know. I don't do cardboard as much right now, but like, is there finals, cardboard like that has because they wait so long to produce it um but like to me like the Giannis block is his defining moment of his career and maybe be will be his defining moment for his whole career like it it has that much weight and to me that's and it is it shows in the in the market that it's valued more than the debut but to me that's a top five moment on the whole platform just because of gotta be, you know, it's significance and his, you know, where his, he ranks in the whole NBA, you know, all time and stuff like that. I, I don't know. Like the Curry legendary finals to me holds a ton of weight. Um, but maybe doesn't show like, why does the Curry cosmic have so much weight, but the Curry finals legendary maybe doesn't exactly. have quite well, that I, I mean, we, I could tell you the answer, but you know, uh, you know, I, I, well, why? I, I, I mean, for real, like, I'm, I mean, well, I'm because confused. it's, 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 it's basically, you know, people who it comes down to ownership largely. Um, yeah. you know, it, it, it comes down to ownership. Um, and a lot of the people who, you know, let's say the, the Curry cosmic, I mean, a lot of them, well, one account in particular whale, he, well, it's actually not, not a, uh, single person. It's a community. It's a, it's a kind of a DAO that owns it collectively. Um, but, they have a substantial collection. They might own like 15 or 20 of these curry. Like, so that's why they kind of, if they own it too, it's effectively like removed from the market. Mm-hmm. So, um, so it, it really comes down to ownership versus, uh, yeah, like, like many different owners. And as, as I mentioned earlier, like there's, there's a small contingent of people who just don't like, they will just dump. So, you know, that will always exist for like, I think pretty much every moment. It's going to be really hard. I've, I've, I haven't seen it yet. I've been looking forward to it for like a moment. That's just, that's actually in hands of people who are just so stubborn. They're like, no, I, I, this moment's great. I'm never going to, you know, kind of get rid of it. Um, it, I mean, every now and then I'll, I'll see like, you know, whether it's a LeBron cosmic or LeBron hollow from series one, like basically just 
be off the market completely. Like it doesn't exist or unknown mm-hmm. listings, um, which I think is fascinating. And I hope to see more of that in the future because, or, or at least a hundred percent, no moment has been a hundred percent locked. And I'm curious if we'll ever see it and, and what that looks like, because to me, that's like the ultimate sign of like, yep, these people like love this moment. And like, it's, it's in, like it's in hands that are pretty, pretty, uh, pretty solid. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, for instance, if I get a KD to run it back, there's only 209, I believe, or 208 or whatever it is. Like, it's immediately one less. There will never that will never hit the market like ever, you know. And I mean, that could potentially be the moment. I, in my opinion, that has maybe a potential to get to that point because it's so it's pretty scarce. It's series one. It's a legend. Um, and, you know, and and same with those hollows and cosmics and stuff that those have the potential too, um, just because there's so few of them. But I think we're just we're inching towards that level every day of just like for all the highs and lows of everything that's gone on over the past, you know, three, six, 12, 18 months. Um, people who are left are basketball people. Yep. And that's what we want. Like, you know, I know we, we talked about, you know, kind of talking about like, what's the best audience to market to. And it's like basketball fans. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've, I think about this a lot. This is really tricky. I used to think it's hundred percent basketball fans, right? The problem as I see it is it, it's, so, okay, so there's uh, uh, the, the problem is what's easier to market to? Um, basketball fans who don't really collect anything in their life or um, cardboard fans who just don't really know anything about like digital collectibles, you know? Like to me, they're both, they're both tough, um, but I, I almost feel at this point that cardboard might be easier because you, it's, it's a very similar type of market. People already collect, they already hoard mm-hmm. things. So, because to me, I think it is hard to teach collecting. Like, I think you need to kind of have it it's and easier you want to teach collect basketball. Me. Yeah. Collectors yeah, who kind of like basketball yeah. or NBA fans who kind of like collecting. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, I'm Fair obviously fans. the answer is somewhere in between, but I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's as clear cut as we think. I have loved all of the sort of like all the, you know, hashtag the hobby leaning into and like really supporting the collector that was out um, in California recently, like leaning into cardboard, I think is, I even noticed them, um, like responding on Twitter to what's like the collectible guru or whoever, you know, um, some of the cardboard influencers on Twitter, um, you know, talking about grails and mentioning like that moment is in, is from that picture on that moment is from this moment. Um, I think it was like a black ice prism, LeBron, um, Kobe tribute you know, the tribute dunk. And, um, I think Sean responded to it and it's like, so I love kind of like leaning into the collectible finally, you know, like that is, it's obviously a huge market. Like you said, it is, it is hard to teach collecting. I, Cause I didn't grow up as a collector. I bought my first ever basketball cardboard like a month ago. Mm-hmm. And I love that's, it, by the way. That's like, interesting I love it. because you're, you, you have like what, eight or 900 moments. You're, you know, all in on this and I'm deep, it's but yeah, I, I existed on because Top I, Shot for six months before I found any faction of a community. It was just me solo dolo, just loving it. Just living so on the blog. The, is this the first time you've collected anything then with Top Shot? Yep. Wow, man. That, uh, guitars. I, that my mind. Oh, okay, okay. Guitars. Okay. So that, that, that counts though. How many guitars? Uh, yeah, do you guitars. Have? Uh, 30, 
40. Okay. So you're a collector. You're Sammy a collector. D's a rock star, first and foremost, if you didn't know. Yeah. So they have, they have really great utility. <laughs> I yeah. can go, I do my job with them. So it's like that sort of, but yeah, I mean, as far as like, yeah, I never collected. I think even when like, you know, I'm 31. So Pokemon was like, I think it was like seven or eight. I, I really loved Pokemon for a minute, but it was not something that I kept up with at all. Um, and that's probably the closest thing. This was like, I had a buddy reach out to me in January of 21 last year. It was like, um, there's something that I kind of like that. I feel like you're going to be dangerously obsessed with. Uh, it's called top shot. And he sold out. I think he still has some stuff, but he had like a dental surgery and he was like, I screw it. I'm just going to sell all my top shot moments. And, um, here I am hosting a top shot podcast. So he was, he was dead on. He knew exactly who, you know, he found the perfect guy to, to talk about it to. Fun stuff. Well, do we, do we have anything else, Steve? Uh, I, I'm, I'm just thrilled that you came on the podcast. I, I think you've got a lot of great stories and you've also just got a lot of like wisdom in the space because I think some people um, kind of go, you know, course on twitter it's never rational right but you've also um just against the twitter policy yeah (laughs) but you you've kind of been a leader in the in the space and obviously i think a lot of people see you as that and so um it's good to hear like why you love top shot why you got into it why you continue to buy why you continue to enjoy the product of course going to the tour over the weekend um very involved with jurassic pack and that sort of thing so yeah, it's it's fun to uh, hear people that have been through all the ups and downs, kind of continue to enjoy Top Shot and continue to see the value in it. Not you know build. beyond, yeah, and build. Wow, yeah, like I know I'm I'm sitting here right now. I got my duo uh, paper moment, and I know I I know it's like maybe some people don't see it as like that important, but it is like it's really important to have someone like you that builds and just like continues to um, care about the product. And that's, you know, that's us too. So I think that's why we. It's clearly a special product the way that everybody's sort of like the community has like organically decided, you know, in a vacuum, like I want to build on this, not like it's a little bit of some people I want to build on it. Sometimes it's, we want to build on it, but one way or another, so many people are inspired to do unnecessary stuff that they don't have to do just because they love the product so much. So yeah. Thanks for hanging. Um, love to have you back again soon. Story time with Steve. Yeah. (laughs) Real quick. Just let us know like where people can, you know, get involved with your tools. I know I introduced you this, you know, at the beginning of the pod, I fumbled my way through that very eloquently. Um, I didn't really know exactly (laughs) how to introduce you, but you, uh, yeah. Tell us about where we can find, the tools you're building and you know, that sort of thing. Sure. So you can find uh, the tools on intangible.market. My Twitter handle is intangible underscore ETH. Uh, so that's under underscore ETH. And uh, yeah, if you have some ideas or suggestions or feedback, always happy to hear it. Uh, always happy to build. Um, yeah. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. It's been a, been a great, great chat. Um, yeah. So yeah absolutely (laughs) yeah thanks for coming on steve well again thanks to everyone listening into the badge county podcast i think we're about what 10 episodes in and this has been a lot of fun just 
you know, sharing our thoughts on Top Shot every week, talking about what's going on from week to week, a lot of fun things happening in the community, and just, yeah, keep uh, plugging into uh, what we're doing on Twitter, uh, badge underscore county, and also our Discord. The Badge County Discord is where we talk hoops uh, every day uh, from uh, sun up to sundown, talking about the games, talking about the, the drops and what moments we love. And yeah. Also, very excited for next week's episode. I believe uh, we're going to be hanging with Brandon from Top Shot, talking, you know, sort of recapping the first third of the NBA season. Um, just talking a lot of basketball, you know, I'm sure he talks a lot about top shot. We talk a lot about top shot. Um, we're going to have a pretty NBA actual basketball central podcast next week. So I'm pretty pumped about that. And, um, yeah, thanks for hanging on the County, everybody. Larry, y'all. See y'all next week. <laughs>